Thank you so much, worship team. That's just super. And uh, so glad to be here this morning. As the years go by, frankly, I'm glad to be anywhere. <laughs> so, uh, hey, great joy to be uh, in your, uh, your company. I just want to say thank you so much publicly to uh, Dr. Ken, Linda, and family for their great support. A lot of you guys probably don't even know a whole lot of things that they do, but missionaries around the world are blessed by them as they just care for those physical needs and all the other little quirks that we do have. Keep us going over there. And you, as a, as, uh, sorry, I am from Baby Glen Church, but I am in Rexdale here today. <laughs> it's not the competition. Together for him, yes. Right? <laughs> hey, just to do whatever we can to praise God and to worship him. And uh, I'd love to meet that Michelle. Uh, is she in this church? Does this... Oh, man, that's a wonderful song. What a, what a blessing. Anyways, on to the message. I love family reunions. Did you enjoy your family day this last Monday? Slow down, be with the family. Anyway, some of you might not really care for that. You know, you're always together with the family. I'm so glad to be away. Actually, I love to be back. Gone for five years, and now back with our family for this one year. Our three sons... Two of them were married this past year. And now I have my first little granddaughter, born in December. So thankful for her. Just trying to get used to being married to a grandmother. <laughs> but anyways, you have those family reunions, and they're great. I remember just this past Christmas. Oh, everybody's coming. You smell the turkey in the oven. The mashed potatoes are almost all done. The sweet potato casseroles there. There's cranberries, all kinds of things. And then you hear the word, they're here. And you go bounding down the stair. You burst the door open and there they walk. And there's hugs and there's kisses and those kind and tender words. I'm so thankful you're here. So good to have you. It's so great to be together. And with these family gatherings, you know, all are welcome but only if you want to come. No one's forced to come. A man by the name of Steve Jobs, some of you might know this gentleman, he once had a little garage and started to tinker with a few chips, a keyboard and whatnot, and he created this thing called Apple or Macintosh. Some of you have that. From what I understand, a couple of years ago, he went to see his physician the news was not good. Pancreatic cancer. And in one of the magazines that I read in one of the flights that I took, here the interviewer asked Steve, I understand that you've taken three or four months apart. You have it all. You've got your own plane, you travel, fame, fortune, you have it all. But yet you took three or four months to think and to reflect on your life. What then do you have to say? And what would be the most important thing, having reflected? He thought for a moment, and then came back with this answer. Only one word. One word. Relationships. Relationships. Friends, God wants your relationship and he wants to know the peoples of the world 
a word said, something done. We messed up, and the relationship was broken. And we don't come to the family reunion. God didn't do anything. Holy, just, I broke the relationship. I said, I did that which was wrong. I was 16 years of age, happened to be in Montreal. I thought I was happy, but deep down I wasn't. I saw a television program one day. It was a Monday night. The man was Billy Graham. And he said that the reason people don't have purpose and meaning in life, the reason we don't have that hope and joy, purpose, is because we have offended a holy God. But God wants to renew that relationship. He didn't mess up. We did. But yet he took the fall for us in Christ Jesus. And if you come to him, he will change your life. I remember walking up to my bedroom. I turned the lights out. And for the first time in my life, I guess I really started to pray. Like really talk to God. And you know how that relationship really started? Only two words. Very simple words. Probably e- the easiest two words. Or shall I say perhaps the two most difficult words, words in, this, in this world. I'm sorry. Forgive me. And he gave me the grace. And he forgave me. And changed my life. That very night, I said, Father, I know now that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Why then is it those that name the name of Christ don't tell people all over the world about Him? You find the cure to AIDS. You put it in a little vial. You put it in your medicine cabinet and then close the door just in case you have a problem sometime. No. What do you do? You multiply it. Share the therapy with people throughout the world. And God says, I love the world. Tell them. Family reunions. Another family reunion I used to love so much was in the last particular place we lived in, in Côte d'Ivoire in West Africa. We were in West Africa for 12 years. It was in the city of Yamasukho. We had a whole Bible campus, school campus over there, but we also had a large church which seated about a thousand people. Now, in this country of 13 million people, there were 67 different language groups. Everybody's language was the best. Different customs, different things. But unfortunately, within that country, many of the groups did not get along for very profound reasons. You know, they eat snake. Never will my daughter marry one of those guys. And you know what? They eat dog meat. Never will my son marry one of those girls. Barbarians. Funny things. Breaks relationships. 
But yet in that particular campus, on Sunday mornings, like here, we would have different services. The church wasn't big enough to contain all those people at one particular time, and so you'd have different little groups meeting in different places. You'd have the Senafu, you have the Bete, you have the Bali, you have the Jula or the Bambara groups, you'd have the Ebrie, you'd have the Anyi, and they'd all be there in different things with different worship celebrations. Sure, appreciated the worship this morning here, but there they would have the different drum beats, the different clothes, the different styles. But from time to time, we wanted to have everybody together, Christmas, Easter, perhaps a baptism. And so we would gather everybody together, but hey, the building's too small. That's okay in Africa. You meet outside, where the temperature is three times, three different kinds, hot, hotter and hottest. <laughs> and so there we would gather around, well, what I called God's cathedral. You see, they had planted these huge trees every 30 feet apart, Trees where you couldn't even get your arms around half of the bottom trunk. And they would just grow over the years, and they had grown, and their branches reached together and formed a canopy over the top, and the sun would shine through that and form this incredible cathedral with the light just tinselating through that all. And there a crowd of four or 5,000 people would be there. Oh, it was great. It was great. Oh, you'd have to preach and translate through three or four people. <laughs> that was enjoyable. <laughs> Services, four, five, six hours. Don't worry. <laughs> but it was a great time. And you know what? From time to time, they'd have the message, and then they'd have the worship times, and then all the different groups would get up and have their turn to do it, you know? And they would sing, and they'd worship, and they'd have their different drum beats and different styles. Oh man. And then the big drums start going and everybody starts singing and dancing and the little babies bobbing with their heads tied to their mother's back. It's great. You got to be there. Anyways. But what was the focus? What was the focus of all that time? It was Christ. How could people who really didn't care for each other naturally and normally, their customs and cultures were so different and we had been offended in the past, how could they actually come together and celebrate together in a family reunion? You know what? Christ, the center of all worship and praise. And he brings people together who were once estranged. I love that family reunion that family gathering. And today, I'd like to speak to you, not just about a little family gathering, or a gathering in Africa, great as it is. But I want to speak to you about the ecstasy of the ultimate gathering. The ultimate gathering. These are not my thoughts. They come from God's word. Listen carefully as I speak to you and read to you about that ultimate gathering. And they sang a new song saying, 
Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals. For you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And you've made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them I heard saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And after these things I looked And behold, a great multitude which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. And they cry out with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing, and glory, and wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might, be to our God, forever and ever. Amen. What will it be like? What will it be like that ultimate family gathering, the ecstasy of it all. Here you find the resurrected and the the exalted, crucified lamb. He's there enthroned now. And I want us to mention just four things that we quickly see in this passage. First of all, it will be massive. It'll be a huge gathering. Myriads time myriads. The Greeks did not have a word for a number that you couldn't count. World evangelization is complete. A huge number of people are there. I was speaking at a men's retreat this fall. It was 40 kilometers north of Bancroft. It was great. The night was clear. There was very little light pollution from a city or other kinds of pollutions. We'd heard the elk seen a bear. The canoe trip was over. We extinguished most of that campfire. And there are 26 men sitting around, thinking and contemplating. All of a sudden, we slowed down in our life for a change. And then we tilted our head up. We looked at the sky. The sky was so clear. The space station came whipping right by, cool. But then you saw the planets. You saw the stars. And the more you looked, it seemed like they multiplied every five or ten seconds. Amazing. And then this cloud, this wisp of cloud, seemed to multiply itself. It's called the Milky Way. And to think that that is just the outer edge of one of our galaxy, and there are billions of others. And one day in a place, the world that I go very recent, or very often, or quite, quite a bit, in the Middle East. God spoke to Abraham. 
And he said, Abraham, listen, look up, look up. And he did. And God asked him, can you count all those stars? Can you count them all? No doubt he thought, can't be done. Can't be done. And then he said this to Abraham, listen, Abraham. One day your descendants of faith, those who love me, will be as the stars of the heaven. He didn't even have a son and not even a child. But God says, watch me. Watch me. A massive gathering. And as the centuries have gone by, millions and millions of people have come to know him. And God was right. And he's not finished. It'll be a massive gathering. Second thing, it'll be inclusive. It'll be multilingual, multicultural, men, women, and children. Scripture tells us very clearly here that we do not check our ethnic background out at the door. And we become one big great mush of blah. Creativity. God loves it and he made each and every one of us from all the nations of the world and all the languages perfect in his image. Creativity. Wow. Oh yeah, sin has wrecked some stuff. A lot of stuff. And Satan desires to destroy God's perfect creation. But he loves people from all nations and tribes. He made them inclusive. And God is no respecter of persons and he desires a very diverse body of Christ. Third thing, it's going to be a worship gathering, a mega celebration. I just love the worship services again. Thanks so much. But what's this worship going to be about? It's because of the cross. And we read, they sang a new song. A new song. No spectators. No boredom. No staleness. You know, sometimes you lead worship and some people are, it's not going to be like that. From deep within our hearts, there's something that will well out just in praise and thanksgiving to God, for we won't be encumbered by all the things that stifle us, but thankful to God for all He has done. What will it be like? I don't know. There will probably be all kinds of style. <laughs> uh, some Dutch people here, I understand, this morning. They come from Netherlands. It's moist Italian, real Netherlands. Anyway, anyways, uh, get back to English. Uh, my Dutch heritage. My grandfather used to play, and some of you Dutch folks would know, on the big pipe organ in the St. Bavo in Harlem. That's where my dad's from. Anyways, if you don't know about that, okay, from here to there, as wide as that, pipe, pipes. Uh, stack that up three times and a little bit on the top with thousands of pipes. And I've been in a cathedral from time to time where you have a church filled, believe it or not, with people that praise God. Two or three thousand people and this trumpet piercing things and then the pipe organ with all the stops open. I tell you, it's something. And you say, really? Really? Try it. 
lest you think I'm an old fuddy-duddy, I do enjoy going to see the Trans-Siberian Orchestra in the Air Canada Centre. Have you ever heard them play? Those Christmas songs with those guitars dressed in tails and looking all pyrotechnics going off and those guitars wailing away, but singing those, hum, those old hymns and those carols just praising Christ for who he is. Fantastic. Now, I don't know what heaven's going to be like. Maybe you'll explode a couple of stars just so you feel the heat of the pyrotechnics. He's got lots more, doesn't he? <laughs> or perhaps the ballad of a Lightfoot, you know, just somebody just telling the story of Christ's greatness. I don't know what it's going to be like. My mind can't even comprehend that. And some people think, how boring heaven will be, for we'll be flitting around like little, little angels and playing harps and all that. No. I mentioned two of my sons were married this last year. Now, as they were dating, funny thing happened. You know, I'd call and I talked to Tim. I says, "Oh, how's it going? Like, when did you get back home? Well, it's one one thirty-two. One o'clock. Like, what are you doing? Well, I was with Christina. Well, didn't you finish talking about everything you needed to talk at?" 10 o'clock? Dad. Like, what were you doing? Well, we were just there. Like, what do you mean you were just there? Well, we just hung out together. You mean just in their presence? And he said, Dad, you know, just to be with her, that's all I need. I don't even have to say anything. Remember those days? <laughs> I love is just not for the young. Say sorry. Forgive me. And it comes back, by the way. To be in somebody's presence forever and ever because you love them and there's, no, there's nothing that separates you whatsoever. I mean, that'll be a great day in the presence of our Lord and Savior Christ. What a day it'll be. Anyways, a victory gathering, the fourth thing. Not only a mega celebration, worship, but a victory gathering, the victory of the Lamb with appropriate apparel. It says we'll be dressed in white robes. Does that mean we'll all have like same thing, standard thing? I speak in different places. I feel like I sometimes have to bring a suitcase or two along. Sometimes you have to wear shorts and flip-flops. Other times jeans with half your shirt hanging out, sometimes a full one. Other times a jeans and a jacket. And other times the El Devo look with a white shirt and sometimes... Oh, it's exhausting because you want to be dressed appropriately. But you know, to be in the right place inappropriately dressed is not good. But then to be appropriately dressed in the right place is great. And he will dress us not with clothing, but in his righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. And no shame, no embarrassment before a holy God because he has cleansed us, he has washed us, and by his grace he moves us and keeps us and holds us in his righteousness forever and ever. It will be a victory gathering. I tell you this. It will be great. And all creation, all creatures will be singing his praise and speak of his power, his unlimited ability, riches, his unconditional wealth, wisdom, his unrivaled mental excellence, his might, his superhuman power, his honor, his exalted praise of character, his glory, his majestic radiance, and his blessing, his glorious thanksgiving forever and ever. Amen.
it will be great. If you'd be kind enough to give me that little PowerPoint, thanks so much, and turn that house down, light down. Now you say, what is this? Just one little PowerPoint. It's the world. Jesus said to us all, if we're followers of Christ, you are the light of the world. Now the points of light here do not represent intensity of population zones or cities, as in other maps, but the points of light represent evangelical groups around the church or around the world, churches. Where are the concentrations? This was just done this last year by our international mission board friends in the States. Canada. Go Canada. <laughs> you notice it's pretty dark up here. You know why? Probably hardly anybody lives there. <laughs> hardly. But, <laughs> sorry. Duh, I had to think about that one. <laughs> uh, Quebec, though. Uh, you can't say seven million people are nobody. Very few believers. I look at parts of South America in the past. That was not the case. And, and Brazil, amazing, amazing the numbers of missionaries that are being sent out from Brazil. I was speaking in an international church in Venezia in Venice. And here's this tall, darker-skinned lady that comes up, beautiful lady. She's about 6'5", you know, and, hi, how are you? Good. What do you do here? Play basketball, really. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and, and what else? Yeah, well, I just love Jesus, and I'm just playing on European teams because none of these guys know about Jesus, so I'm just trying to tell them. I gave them a bunch of Bibles. Was that okay the other day? I said, yes. That was not the case a few years back, friends. People from South America being catapulted to other parts of the world. Fantastic. Look at, you see that little spot there? Which is South Korea. They're good speed skaters, short track especially. As we, oh, shoot. Anyways, they're getting good at a whole... Do you know how... This is free. I was speaking at a conference in, uh, in Malaysia just this last year. And uh, it was with a, with a number of uh, a Korean and Chinese workers as well. And you see there's about 120 million Chinese believers. Yeah. And they're trying to send missionaries all through this part of the world. You see where it's kind of dark? And so the Koreans said, well, we want to just join in and, and you know, help the process as well. So here they did their presentation. And, you know, they said, you know how many missionaries we want to send? It's based upon our GDP. Got that? Gross domestic product. So right now we're at about 18,500 per head. We're a little bit ahead. So we've got over 18,000 missionaries right now. But when we hit 2040, we want to have at least 54 thousand GDP per head. So we believe that God would expect us to send out at least 54,000 full-time missionaries. Huh. Now think about that. Like God is working in other people's hearts and minds in incredible ways. But that wasn't the case a number of years back. You see this part of the world seemingly very dark. Oh, I guess probably not that many people living here, but here in this part, the Turkic-speaking world, 250 million people. They even have CNN Turk. CNN Turk. You didn't know that. Now you do. 
Look at these places, Iran, Iraq, the Arabian Peninsula, North Africa, even parts of Europe, which was like this at one point. And many Europeans have run away. God does not have grandchildren, folks. And every generation has to hear and respond to Christ in the same way. You travel through Europe. If you've been over there, you see a lot of these statues. And I tell my workers, you know, you've got a dialogue with people, but these statues are black, so many of them, because of the pollution. And then pigeons sit on top of their heads and do their business as well. And you say, like, who is that? Sometimes it's the image of Christ as well. I tell my work, listen, our job is to wipe the face of Christ so that people can see Jesus, who he is. They don't even know who Christ is anymore. You see, it was one big party. And you say, Europe? Are they all happy? Oh, yeah, we bought into Nietzsche's philosophy where we had to become an Ubermensch, a superman. And you had to create purpose and meaning in your own life. Seize the day. But then be big enough to say that at the end of your life, the purpose you did create for your life is totally purposeless and meaningless. And are we happy now? Parents are gone. I don't have brothers or sisters. And I never bothered having kids because it would cramp my style. Basic elemental thing of human life is reproducing ourselves. And we haven't done that. And not only that's why we have to be annoyed with people from all over the world coming here to pay our social programs. And then you talk to them, and now I'm 60 and 65. I talk to some different people on the trains as I travel, and they say, are you happy? And they said, frankly, I don't have a job. I don't have family, and nobody cares whether I live or die. And I'm so lonely. And we have to tell them about Christ again. And then what about these other parts? Let me tell you a little story. I was just in Serbia three weeks, about three weeks ago. And here we have a little family. In Serbia, there were a couple of conflicts that we're involved with. Of course, the Bosnian conflict and then the conflict in Kosovo. Family left Serbia, came to Canada, went back to Serbia for the last number of years. In that dehumanized situation, many people did come to Christ, or some did. There's a church building perhaps the size of this. They have a nice service and they have a few other churches. Things are getting a little better economically, but yet the government has no means or ways really to care for people with chronic and terminal illness, cancer and other kinds. So here's this family, church family, and they think, how then can we help? What can we do to help people to bridge that bridge so that they can hear about Christ in ways that make sense to them? So the international worker, his name is Danny Vera. Hey, let's just visit a couple people on our way over there. We go to this little home. It's not very big. From that edge to here to that wall. You open the gate, go through, knock on the door. Little yappy dog is chewing at your legs. And opens the door this lady, about in her mid-50s. Her name is Svetlana. Svetlana. You can see her body's been through some rough times. Inside, you just see one little sofa, couch. That's her bed, her couch, her everything. There's a little fridge, European-style fridge like that. Not a whole lot more. A picture 
when she was 24. Beautiful. And your parents? Don't have parents. Was an orphan. Brothers, sisters, I don't know if I have any. Children? Was married, didn't work out, no kids. And I'm so alone. I'm so alone. Nobody cares. But a couple of months ago, some people from the family came and visited and said, there is somebody who cares. It's Christ. But we care as well. So you want to come to the family reunion tonight? Yeah, get all ready. Starts combing your hair. Okay. On the way, we've got to stop by and see this other little lady. She's got this bright, bright red hair now. She's so excited. She'd become part of God's family just about four months before. She's all ready. But you see, they've taken off both of her legs just above the knees because of, I think it is bad diabetes or something like that. So there she is. Can we come? Well, there's no wheel transit. You know, like, mm, you know, like in Toronto. Yeah. So, so we just back Danny's van up and open the back doors and, okay, let's lift her up, pick up the chair, put her in. And then with her little thin arms, she puts her arms around the back seat. Totally unsafe. No, she's going to the family reunion. And there you have the worship service, the celebration. For them, it's a mega celebration. And we speak about the things that lie before. The hope we have the ecstasy we will have. There is agony, so much of it here in this world, so much pain, but yet she's there. And they start worshiping. And Svetlana is back there standing. Come on, everybody, stand up. And this little lady with her red hair, she's sitting in that wheelchair. And deep within her heart, you can see it. There's something, a praise that wells within her heart. It says, I have to praise God with all my heart and soul and body. And she takes the little arms of her wheelchair. And she just, with her thin little arms, just reefs herself up and stands on the stubs of her legs and praises God. That's what it's about, friends. People coming to know Christ in their agony, but yet knowing life here is short but the ecstasy of knowing him here. And this is eternal life, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. In the Arabian Peninsula, places like this, 9.30 at night, under a street lamp, 45 ladies from mainland China who work in some of these factories for very... Small wages, but better than in China. Are praising God. An engineer leaves Canada, goes and works with them. Why at that time? Going to midnight, telling them about Christ. One lady, she gets up, and they translate for me. Because, and by the way, happy Chinese New Year, last week, this week. And uh, starts sharing. Hey, my life was a mess. It still is. I left China. I never even knew there's such a thing as a God. I worked for four years here sending all my paychecks back so the family could get ahead. And now I just find out six months ago 
that my husband's off with some other woman, not caring for a little son, grass is growing up in the rural village around the house, and I have no hope and wanted to hang herself. What is there to live for? But I've come to know Christ, whom to know is life eternal. And to see the ecstasy, the situation and the agony hasn't changed, but I have a hope. I have a hope. And 8,500 other Chinese people who have immigrated to that part of the world to work in the last five and a half, six years, have come to know Christ. And they join a family celebration in Dubai, in Abu Dhabi. Dubai, a church that I told you about a number of years back, now has thousands of people. Really? In Abu Dhabi, built the second building. 22 congregations, probably 14,000. And then in Kuwait City, some of you would know Harvey Michellis. He just went over there on a very compound where there was a mission hospital 14 years ago. And a little tiny church with maybe 100 people, and they were all, let's just care for ourselves. And then the conflict happened. Saddam Hussein put his anti-aircraft artillery batteries over there, stored a lot of equipment, arms on that little compound. But today, or shall I say this last Friday, Probably 76 different congregations met at different times throughout that time with over 30,000 people. And you say, it can't be done. We can't do it. But I tell you this, God delights to do it. And there you sit in a Hindi service and they sit on the ground and shoes piled all over the place and they have those little drums and they go, wow. And local folks. And then you have other ones they sing, praise God from whom... And then you have other ones, they're just, you know, the Filipino just going... It is great. A foretaste of that great day to come. Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. We know him as a human rights activist. But first and foremost, he always said he was a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ preached a great message. I have a dream. I have a dream that one day people will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. He had another message. He didn't know exactly how his life would end or how to order his days. For him, he had two days on his calendar. That was the message. I have today. Well, yesterday's history. And tomorrow is a mystery. And today, I guess it's a gift. And that's why it's called the present. And you know, God has given me gifts and talents and abilities. And I will use it for him. This world is so dark and there's so much agony. And I will not curse the darkness. I will choose to light that candle. And the darker the darkness, the brighter the light. But for him on his calendar, there was a second day. The day of the Lord. The day of that ultimate family gathering. Where tears will be wiped away. Where wrongs will be made right. Where injustice will be eliminated and justice will reign, and death and Hades will be cast in the lake of fire forever, and Christ will reign forever. 
So here I have today. How then shall I order my life? Today, I will order my life in light of that day and get my priorities aligned with his eternal purposes. Not a bad way to live. So many of you say, well, I'll never go to those parts. Doesn't matter. God has blessed us in one of the most wonderful ways. People from all those nations have come here. A classmate. A workmate. Somebody who walks down your street. Somebody who's your neighbor. You're blessed. The nations have come. question is, how will we live today? So many people with so much agony. And even trying to reach people who are rather antagonistic to the gospel. It's an agonizing work. But we press on. We lose no heart because we have that sure assurance of that day and that He will be with us till He calls us home. Thank the Lord for my teacher and fellow classmate, Nancy Scott Black. A great friend. One regret, I saw her at a little meeting I think in September. I never had the chance to chat with her a whole lot. But I look forward to that day. She encouraged me. She encouraged my heart to press on for that day. Rexdale Alliance Church, no matter what the agony in your life, in getting the job done, He is with us. And He has that sure assurance that one day people from every tribe and tongue and nation and people with a number that you can't count will be a great around that throne. May God give us strength. May he give us courage. Each one of us in our own unique way to do that which we can to the praise of his glory. May his kingdom come. Amen and amen.